Good day and welcome. I'm Reverend Bonnie Gatchel, and you're listening to Complex and Beautiful Bodies, a podcast where we journey together to unlearn the lies told against our bodies and instead to embrace our bodies for the complex and beauty that they are, created by a creator. Good morning. I am Reverend Bonnie Gatchel, and you are listening to Complex and Beautiful Bodies, a podcast of Route One Ministry. We are nearing the end of our series on incredible women, which highlights six survivors of trafficking here in the United States. If you would like more details of this series or the podcast, feel free to back up and listen to our earlier podcast and the rest of the podcast series. Um, There's some great stuff there that you don't want to miss. But with that, I turned it over to Whistling Augustine, our Director of Education, who will introduce our guest this morning. Yes, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, Today we have with us Robin Lavasser. Um, As a survivor of trafficking, domestic violence, homelessness, and drug addiction, Robin has been out of the life for 15 years. She is now passionate about giving back and empowering other vulnerable women. She has worked in various nonprofit organizations with different populations. She has dedicated her life to victims of sexual exploitation and domestic violence as an advocate, mentor, and outreach worker. Robin graduated in 2020, woohoo, with an associate's degree in social work with a concentration in substance abuse. That is absolutely amazing. She holds numerous certifications, healthcare worker, recovery coach, peer support, ending the game group facilitator, Narcan distributor, and HIV hep C tester. She is also an active member of New England Coalition Against Trafficking, Survivor Network, and is also a public speaker and trainer. Lastly, she resides in Rhode Island and enjoys spending time with her family, especially with her beautiful four-year-old granddaughter, Aviana. That is amazing. Wow. Robin, you are a powerhouse. We are so, so, so glad to have you in here today. Um, Thank you. Yes. So we're just going to dive right on in um, and have you just share a little. You are clearly an incredible woman. And this is why we have you here uh, and just want to allow you to share a bit of your trafficking story with the listeners today. So I'd love to do that. Um, I'd like to debunk that myth. I We just did that 12th human um human trafficking summit. Mm-hmm. And I spoke on that debunking the myths. Um, a, mm, mm, mm. people don't realize that, um, human trafficking is not just stealing children. It's not in third world countries. Um, it's right here in our backyards. Mm-hmm. It's on the internet. It could be your daughter, your sister, your mother, your neighbor, children. Um, I came from, I, and I, and also I wasn't traumatized as a child. I wasn't abused. I wasn't raped. Mm. I wasn't sexually molested. I came from a very loving family. Um, my um, with four siblings. Um, 
I never met my real dad, but the mom that remarried when I was probably about two or three, he um, treated like treated me like I was his daughter. He even adopted me, so that void wasn't there. I didn't have the um that the, you know the the daddy thing going on because he always treated me like his daughter, mm-hmm. and I always excelled in school. Except I, you know, we my family was very strict. So I gotta say that. So you know, when you get to that age and you you want a boyfriend or you want <laughs> a party, I was in my um, and I, and I always got straight A's. So I graduated early from um, junior high school. I went to a college um, preparatory high high school um, where I excelled, and then I I went to college. In my second year of college, my family finally agreed to let me stay on campus mm-hmm. because before that I had to be home at 11 o'clock at night and the parties <laughs> didn't start till 1030. You got that. So let, that's a bit of, you know, anyways. Um, so at, when I was in college, I worked uh, uh, not far from the college. There was a little Riccati sandwich shop. So I worked there part time and this guy would came in. He was an older gentleman, about five years older than me. He was so handsome and debonair and oh my respectable like and I had met like younger guys they all you know they all wanted the same thing and if I did have a relationship with them it didn't and it, it you know it, it just wasn't what I was looking for but here comes my knight in shining armor and now I'm looking for love I uh, you know I was looking for love and um he mm-hmm. came in and over a period of six months um, we dated he took me out he bought me things mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was just like, it, it was too, it, I look back now, the red flags, it was too good to be true because, uh, he was, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, my trap guy fell in love with him. And when my, and all of a sudden I was missing school. So it got back to my family and kind of half of my family and my mom's side was like, Oh my, you know, Italian. I'm not going to go say anymore, but they were in the streets looking for me and they found out I was with this gentleman. And um, so they said, you better, someone must have told him to, to, to get, have him, me get in touch with my parents. Mm. And I, I remember my mom was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're with a pimp. Oh my God. And she was crying. And my dad was like, when I get my hands on you, you're not leaving this whole seat at 35. So it freaked me out. And I was so scared and ashamed. Mm-hmm. I wished I would. I, I, it, what he did was I didn't even get the chance. He just took me out of state mm-hmm. and took me um, about be time processing it. But I wished to uh, any young girl out there listening or anyone listening. I wished that was, I wished I would have went back home. I wish but I was so scared and shamed, you know, and, um, and I loved this guy and I didn't cause he had told me I have a way, you know, he was telling me about, Oh my God, we can make all this money together and everything. But as soon as we got in Florida, he put me in this, it was, uh, I can't say it no other way. It was a whole house. Mm. Sorry. I, I know nope. it sounds rough, but I'm, I'm raw. I, what you see is what you get with mm-hmm. me. I'm an open book. And so I was disgusted and ashamed and crying and then the beatings would start. And I still, I'd stayed with that man. Like I became a drug addict because I hated who I was. I hated what I was doing. But then there was a time when I was making all this money and I was still in love with him. Mm -hmm. I got caught up in Mm -hmm. all of that. So 
I still, um, I was missing it. And it, then it just got so bad, but I stayed with them through the years. I remember I wanted to commit suicide one time and mm. I just couldn't do it. The beatings were so bad. And back then there were no outlets. There were no resources. I didn't even know that it was considered trafficking. All I thought was that I was a hooker and mm-hmm. nobody nobody cared. Mm-hmm. And um, the police did. I remember one incident. He threw a weight at my head mm-hmm. and put me in a taxi. This was in Miami into a hospital. When I got there, I had to have six stitches on the inside, like 15 on the outside. And I remember the only thing the nurses and doctors said to me was, oh, wow, you're in luck. We have the best surgeon in the world here this week. Mm. No one asked me what happened. Mm. The cops didn't come. But today I'm so grateful and I'm so, oh, God's grace. I mean, today we have, we have, um, we have people in, um, hospitals that are aware we're making them aware you know there's more attention now there's more red flags and one of the things I do do is I go out and um, I bring awareness Mm -hmm. to um, next week I'm going to be speaking at a a high school Um, I and I go out to churches I go out to organizations and I do a webinar Um, I still do outreach in the street Um, I it my life changed I stayed with this man until the day he died. Imagine that. Mm. And he asked me on his deathbed to forgive him. Mm. And I told him he needs to ask God to forgive him. Mm. But and for many years after getting that, so then I still, even when he died, I didn't know any other way to make money. And I was still an addict. So I still kept on doing it. And, um, Finally, me and my son were co-defendants, um, co- co-defendants at, uh, in a prison because me being my room using, um, he was selling weed. I, I thought he was just using a little bit here and there and I let him stay in the house and use it. But you know, when, you, when you're on drugs, you're not in your right frame of mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, when they raided my house, I took full responsibility, but they still arrested my son. And um, so that was the day I got, I, that was the beginning to coming back to Christ anyways. And so, uh, and then, then I realized like, wow, something, uh, my son meant the world to me. He was everything. And uh, I, I realized because you're in denial when you're in, when you have a substance abuse problem also. So, you know, I was in denial for many years that I was an addict. I didn't realize at the time I was self-medicating, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um so I I started getting my life together a little bit there and I lost everything because I was on section eight and I remember the next day they were gonna recertify me and I'm sure they came and the doors were off the hinges. People came in, they robbed me blind, they took everything, so I lost everything. Oh. Uh, my sister, I remember she told me if you're gonna come stay with me, you have to you have to do some um narcotic anonymous um meetings, uh something like that. So I started doing those, but I was still using. <laughs> Finally, you know, um, I I was trying, I was, the meetings weren't helping me. And um, I remember one day I was going to, after that down the road, um, I, I, I forgot where I was. I became homeless and I was going to a church and, um, and my son, my son was staying with my other sister. Well, I mean, um, 
thank God today, I mean, well, we always had a beautiful relationship, but I'm sure there's things, I mean, no child deserves to have a drug addict as a parent, mm. but um, my relationship was, my son is amazing. So he, um, I was going to get some food at a church pantry and some, I could, no matter what, I couldn't stop using. And I just hated who I was. I hated my life. And I got on my knees and I asked Christ to come into my life. And I asked him, Father God, if you please remove this obsession to use, I promise you, I promise you, you will never, I will, I will never look back. I mean, I've looked back, but I only looked back there now to see how far I've come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so um, I went into the Salvation Army, which is a Christian um, rehab, because I knew those ones for three and four weeks and the three months, they just didn't do it for me. And I knew I needed Christ in my life, you know, and that's when that's when my life began to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got my, I, in the other, you go, you work, so you get your work ethic back. You gotta remember, I went from college to prostituting and, 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 um, escorting and all dancing and all that. So I never really worked besides that little Ricardi's and a taco place when I was younger. Uh, I never mm-hmm. really worked anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, so, you know, and then you got to get used to making $8 an hour mm-hmm. and, um, after you're making thousands and, um, but what I did was I started seeing psychiatrists and mental, mm. I went to a mental health facility and I got a therapist and I got a psychiatrist. And when I got out of that rehabilitation center, I did it, the six month program, they let me stay till eight because I wanted to set myself up for success. And this is only through Christ, God's grace and mercy to have a place to live and to have a job. Mm-hmm. And I got out of there, and that's when I started working on myself. I went to narcotic anonymous meetings five days a week. I got a sponsor. I got active. Um, I started volunteering in the community. I volunteered for churches, for anywhere I could be of use to help anyone. Um, and then um, with with the love of one lady from a church that I was at, I wanted to go back to, to college and um she, she was my cheerleader, my mentors. I've had wonderful people in my life that have supported me. And, and it is, it's, I mean, if you don't have a support system, like I just don't, um, that's why there's so many services now wrapped around. And because there's so many layers yep. to, to, yep. to this yep. human trafficking, you know, the trauma part, the mental part, the addiction part, the help, your help, you know? So thank God I didn't um, really do a lot of damage, but you know, I, I, um, I blocked so much stuff out because I realized through my therapy session of my trauma and my abuse, there were days I was locked in a room and beaten every 20 minutes. I've had my nose broke. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm the things. And then the things that were done to me by, by guys that I had to see that, um, did horrific things to me too. Um, so it was a lot trying to love my. The main thing was trying to love myself again, yep. and that was hard because you know what? Like I just kept pulling shit out of that closet. Like every time I thought I was getting rid of it, and then the doctor was telling, "Well, we block things out of our mind so we don't have to deal with them, so they won't hurt us." Because they were so devastated, mm. and um, wow, um, I because I, I I said to, I blame myself for so many years because I said why didn't I just leave? Why didn't I just leave? Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. I took classes and then they even when put myself 
back into um, college and you realize what the brain is capable and especially with the drug abuse in the, uh, in the substances with dopamine hijacks your brain and you make, you know what I'm saying? Um, I learned so much and I just started take, I started, um, first I started working with homelessness and I, uh, in the streets doing outreach. Um, I went, then I went to domestic violence. I went to substance abuse. I still do a little bit of, of all of that today. Um, I'm connected to the churches in Rhode, there's these three churches in Rhode Island called Together With Love. And they, and it's so funny because like I was, I've been waiting for God. I've been waiting on God in which direction to take my life because I want to, I'm a, and I also became a disciple of Christ and got mm -hmm. baptized. So That's I live great. my life, on, I live my life on purpose today and for a purpose. And I love so that. I wanted to be where God wanted to put me. So I needed to wait until that door opened and it just recently did. Mm. These ladies, these people from this church, for three years now, they've been, <coughs> excuse me. Hold on. Um, three years, they've been trying to become a nonprofit all around human trafficking, trying to help human trafficking survivors. I met this lady through the same lady, her daughter, where, um, is involved in this through the church that helped me, men, that mentored me during college. And they've been looking for a survivor. So I hooked up with them. One of the ladies is a writer and she's gonna write my story mm. and give me all the rights, go to a lawyer and give me all the rights. But not just that, they, they after three years, they've been all of a sudden, some donor came out of nowhere and dropped all these hundreds of thousands of dollars for them to start up their nonprofit. Mm, right wow. while me at white they said they've been waiting three years i said i was waiting three years and all of a sudden we're together and it's just like mm. god just works in crazy ways so my life is amazing and i got the most beautiful little granddaughter that never have to ever know i use never has to know nothing about looks up to me you know i bring her to church with me she loves jesus she's only four she's she makes my heart melting bottle i love but, that yeah, she Robin, does. let me let me interrupt you here to ask you a few follow up questions. Because sure. uh, there's a couple of things you said that I'm like, this could be so useful for our listeners. And you've done such a great job of unpacking your story that we're almost near the end of our time already, which is hard to believe it goes so fast. But a couple of things you said going way back. So with this guy that. Um, Looking back now, or how I forget how you exactly said it, but use the words, read the phrase red flags. What if you were to say this? Um, this is a combination of a question from Whistling and myself, and, and you've actually already answered it, but I want you to state it even more clearly for someone who's listening, and maybe it's a young college student um, or whatever it might be. What are some of them? You can't get into all of them, but right. looking back now. What are some of the red flags that you're like, oh, if I would have paid it? And it's not your fault that he trafficked you. I want to make sure that my question doesn't sound like that. But what are some of the red flags that you're like, hey, if you're out there and you're 16, 17, 18, 19, young 20s girl in college and you're dating someone, they do this. What are those red flags? What are, you know, two or three of those? The biggest one, if it seems too good to be true, 
It's really not. If they, if every single thing about them is just too good to be like, oh my gosh, um, it look for the um, just they stop the, the buying you things. Um, it's the honeymoon stage grooming you. Um, make uh, all of a sudden they 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 love you. They love you after a couple months. You are their whole world. You're um, just um, and, and look for look for ask what they do for a living. Make sure you find out. Mm-hmm. Like find out things. Ask. I was. I didn't ever. Find out things about them other than them. See, they won't take you around their family. They don't have a job. Um, where do they live? They usually live out of hotels. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but just ask yourself. Go, go further. At, <coughs> um, just, just, um, just be mindful of, of. Well, why all of a sudden? Why is this guy? I mean. And slow down and just slow yep. down. But yeah, um, if it just if it seems it's just was just it was everything I ever wanted in life. And it just yep. when it comes and it comes quick. Yeah, it comes quick. They don't they it, <clears throat> sometimes it comes. Mine was longer because I um, but because it was a car. Uh, but usually within a two or three month period. You know, and they and they try to get you away from whatever. If you're in school, they'll they'll take you out of school to take you places. Yeah, how to keep you away from your friends and family. That's how they try to get your full undivided attention, so it's easier to get you to just transition right into the relationship with them and no one else. I think that's really good. So I want to recap because what you just said actually is really powerful. That last sentence of trying to transition you so that it's them and no one else. So I want to recap some of the things you've said because it's really good. I think, yes, when not... So here's here's what we want to make clear, which I think you are saying also, Robin. Every woman, every person, but since I'm a woman, you're a woman, the people we work with are women. Every woman is worth... It is beautiful. Every woman is worth someone's time and energy Every woman is worth being pursued. And I think for some of us women, like I grew up in a home where sometimes, not often, kindness was withheld from me, right? So I know now a blind, major blind spot for me is just kindness, kindness in any type of form, right? And so I think what happens for us that have been traumatized in our youth or have experienced trauma in our youth or, and you losing your father at a young age, even though he was... Uh, even though another man came in that was great, that's a trauma, you know, and it's a different type of trauma, but it's still a trauma. And so I think for us, we you first have to start with believing that you deserve goodness and setting the bar for what that goodness can look like. Otherwise, when false goodness comes in and men who come in with bad boundaries, like to declare that they love you within yeah, a couple. Yeah, you won't recognize it. Right. Right. So for someone, so to recap what you said, someone to declare that they love you too quickly, two or three weeks into the relationship is actually bad boundaries. It feels good for us that have had kindness withheld, right? Because it feels like it's filling a void, but it's actually bad boundaries. Someone who wants to spend all their time with you 
um, and doesn't seem to see a fault in you, because we all have faults, uh, mm-hmm. that is also a red flag because that's just bad boundaries. That's just a, a little bit of obsessive behavior. And then when they start to isolate you from friends, family, your normal activities, um, and this could be um, gentle or not, discreet or not, they could put down your hobbies, right? So if you're someone right. who you love playing video games and then all of a sudden they start making fun of you for being someone that loves playing video games mm, to the point that exactly. you feel, yes, right? So whatever- You're spot on with that. That's Good. what they do. Good. That, that's definitely, that's what they start demoralizing and start um, um, making you making things that you like to do. Uh, you know, n- n- they try to take away from that. Yes. Well, they will belittle that. So, and you care about them. So, you you know, you care about what they say. That's right. And what they think. So you want to think like them. So, oh yeah, maybe it is. And you stop. Right. Right. And I think um, the other thing that you said, so moving a little bit away from this, because I want our listeners to hear this, because I couldn't believe it's great that you said it. I think you're the first person we've interviewed to say it, but therapy how important therapy was for you to go to therapy, to get therapy. Um, do you want to, you know, speak a little bit more to that or would you encourage others to go to therapy? Like- I would abs- absolutely, I absolutely encourage it because it's all for you. Mm-hmm. It's for you. Mm-hmm. And therapy is for you. I, I got back to, I was able, without the therapy and the psychiatrist, honestly, and well, I've had, I might, before it took a long time to really, to be honest, to get my family back in my life. I did and I didn't. And I was always striving for that. But to find who I was again, I lost that person. She was lost. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and therapy helped me to know who, to realize that regardless of what I did, because I felt it was, or oh, I really do, you know, I struggled with that, that it was my fault. And like, I ruined my life and, um, that, and until till I got until I got into therapy and I found out no I didn't have a choice because he played with my mind mm-hmm. my mind mm-hmm. effed me and that's mm-hmm. how you like I found out later and even with domestic violence and I was realizing so when you go and you get therapeutic help it took me five years mm-hmm. to truly get back to the woman God created me to be the woman my parents created me to be and maybe you might be right about my father. My father left us. He didn't die. He oh. just never, he just acted like we never seen him. He never looked to us like we didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Maybe that did traumatize me in some way. But because I had, the, uh, I had, we were raised with love. It probably didn't uh, put me in that big, you know, I wasn't that victimized, victimized by it. But because I didn't think I had daddy issues, but he was older than me too. So yeah. we really don't know, but I was more concerned of getting healthy with my mind, my body, my soul, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. I was, all of that was taken from me. Mm-hmm. I had no self-respect, no dignity, and I hated who I had became. Mm-hmm. So yep. through the psychiatrist, through I've had beautiful mentors in my life. My professors at college, like, um, people that I surrounded, you have to surround your people, surround yourself with people that want to uplift you. And that's what I do today. That's good. You know, 
and, and you work on your strengths. And now everything the doctors and psychiatrists were with me with the strength-based, you know, approaches, you know, you went to school too, body, that you work on a person's strength. Now I can help another person. Right now I'm in a class of faith-based recovery coach. And you know Jazzy, and Jazzy hooked me up with that class. It's amazing. Like, you know, and we have to be the voices for those, for those out there still struggling because my biggest disconnect is when I work with a young lady and she's ready to exit the life and I got nowhere to put her mm-hmm. housing. I just mm-hmm. spoke on the mm-hmm. summit with that. I've been speaking to the, mm-hmm. well, any, anyone that will listens to me on that, mm-hmm. but we, and then you got to remember all the wraparound services, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's going to, it, you know, like it says, it takes a village to That's raise good. a child. I think that's really good. I really appreciate your time with us this morning. I really do. And um, I know, I don't know if you can see us, but I've been energized by several of your statements. I love your bluntness. I love like the phrase that you just used. He mine F's you. Like, I think, I think that's very clear and um, (laughs) will speak to people's hearts. And I think it will speak to different people's hearts because everyone's different. Um, I would like, I think Wesleyne is going to close this out with a final question. We are really like really pushing into time. So you might have to keep, can I say one thing real quick? Yep. My listen, survive things that would have killed others. My life is a message of hope. And if I can do it, everyone else can do it. Uh, Robert, is that what you was going to ask? Yes. Yes. That is so awesome. I wrote the word. God is good. Yes, all the time. All the time. I just wrote hope on a piece of paper and said, Whistling, ask about this. Yeah. So I'm. Because you got to give that hope shot. Mm -hmm. That's, you know what? I never thought there was hope for me, but let me tell you yes, there is hope. We return to being whole. We return to being Mm -hmm. a whole, healthy Mm -hmm. person. Um, And we can be loved. We're worthy. We're worthy, you know, God, yes. we're God's children. We're so worthy. And he made us to be courageous. And anyone out there listening, if you want to connect and you want my number and you just like to speak to me, or if you know this is, if you ever see signs, you know, please, please tell somebody. Mm-hmm. Or if you have some, you're going through something and you think you might be human trafficked, please reach out. There's someone out there that will listen and believe you. Yeah. Perfect. Robin, do you want to give your number now or do you want yes, to? Okay, sure. Go for it. I'd love to. Go for it. My number is 401-649-3236. I welcome anyone that would love to talk about this subject or Perfect. that's going through something or needs an outlet. I am here. God bless. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to close this out. And with Robin's prompting, I'm also going to give you the trafficking hotline. It is 888 888- three seven three seven eight 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 and if you see something there was a situation in new hampshire it took i can't get into it because of time but 215 calls to the trafficking number to bring the the person to arrest so make the call you can usually keep it pretty anonymous it's better to call a situation that turns out to just be uh, brother yeah nothing all you've done is maybe interrupted somebody's day <laughs> then to not make the call for something that is real. Mm-hmm. I am Reverend Bonnie Gatchel. I am so thankful for our guest this morning, Robin. We are so glad that you're here and for the work I that you are currently doing. 
I am so humbled that Aww. you and but I am truly Aww. humbled. I told Wiseland, I was tickled pink when I heard that it was for extraordinary women. That just made my day. I was floating on a little pink cloud. <laughs> well, that is you. You are an extraordinary woman. You are, I, how you even survive some of these things. I'm glad that you are with us. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Complex and Beautiful Bodies, a podcast of Root One Media. To find out more of the work that we're doing or how to get involved, you can find Root One Ministry on Facebook or on our website, lovedbyroot1.org. I'm Reverend Bonnie Gatchel, sending you off with tons of hope and blessing. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.